Hello there, it's me, Colin. Just a quick disclaimer before we start this show. As many of you know, listening to the podcast over the last couple of weeks, I'm traveling around New Zealand at the moment. So uh, this one recorded previously, ahead of time, two or three weeks ago. And since then, obviously, we've had uh, in the last week that trade at the top. Number one and number two have moved around. So we'll not be talking about that in this show, but we will be talking about what we thought would happen come draft day, what would be swapped around with those trades and, of course, those teams moving up. So we haven't covered the actual trade parts, but everything else still very, very relevant. So sit back, relax, and uh, hopefully you enjoy this one. You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, Here's the OTI guys. Hello there, welcome back, welcome into the OTI podcast. Hopefully things are going good with you since the last time you listened to the show. Today's show is going to be a draft focused, the NFL draft coming up very, very shortly. Not long to wait to see which way the prospects all fall, but we haven't done a lot of NFL draft talk on the show this off season. It's not something that I pretend to be particularly an expert at. It's something that I like to get guys on who know exactly what they're talking about, and that's what we're going to do today. You'll have heard this guy on the show a number of times, particularly before the last two NFL drafts. It's Mike Huggenin, a wealth of knowledge, covers the uh, the college football uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. So a guy that I uh, listen to a lot when he talks about these prospects. So looking forward to having him on. You'll hear that in just a little moment. Always starting off the show, iTunes, Stitcher, all the ways to listen to the show. Uh, the numbers have been going up each and every week. And I do appreciate the continued support of all the listeners. Give us a written and a comment on there. I do ask for it every week, and we do get a couple more each and every week. But if you're listening to the show, just go on to your account and uh, please, obviously, hit the subscribe button first. But once you've done that, give us a written and a comment. Help move up those iTunes ranks as we continue to try and grow this thing over the next few months and of course all the way into the upcoming season. Also delighted to say, and we're linking up with Sports Travel Tours, and they have you covered for all your sport and travel needs from NFL to NHL, MLB, uh, the college football, and of course the NBA and uh, any of the teams involved in them, any of the games. They can get you tickets to that, get you the transfer sorted out, uh, accommodation, airport, flights, everything. They'll get that sorted out. It is travel for sports fans by sports fans. A fantastic company. Been going for over 18 years, and uh, a company that I've known for quite some time, but now this season we're linking up, and of course you you can have the trip of a lifetime over to the States. If you want to save 10% off, they're giving OTI listeners 10% off this coming season. And all you have to do is when you're uh, checking out there at their site, when you're about to pay, it'll have an option for a discount code. The discount code is OTI. It doesn't get any easier than that. OTI for Overtime Ireland. And uh, save 10% off your trip. So, you know, every little helps. Get yourself uh, a round of beers with your buds uh, and all that sort of good stuff uh, by saving that 10%. And, uh, of course, that's sportstraveltours.com. So with that all out of the way, of course, uh, it's time to get Mike on the show. So let's talk some NFL Draft. Hi, this is Ross Tucker, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Joined back on the show once again by Mike Huggenin. A lot of you will uh, be following on his Twitter account. He's now the managing editor at gridironnow.com. And uh, we're going to be talking all things NFL Draft with him today. Thanks for jumping aboard the show. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to this. Um, obviously, uh, I want to start off this being recorded on, well, I'm in Australia, it's the 2nd of April here, it's the 1st of April still stateside with you, Mike, so some of the stuff might change yeah. in between this and the release date, but uh, a lot of this stuff will be still very, very relevant as we head to draft day, so a uh, quick disclaimer to start that off. The other thing I want to mention is, 
uh, the last uh, well we've had you on previous to the last couple of drafts but two drafts ago I still think is uh, your highlight on the show when I asked for a sleeper talent going under the radar that people weren't talking about and you came up with uh, Alan Robinson who has since ended up with the Jacksonville Jaguars and we all know how things are going with him heading into his third year so uh, we'll see what little snippets of information you had us with today that uh, come to fruition quite like uh, Alan Robinson did two years ago so uh, no 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 pressure on that one <laughs> so so obviously well, there's, there's, yeah if you, if you want to talk about it, there's, there's a couple of sleeper guys that uh, we can talk about right now one I like a lot is that offensive tackle from Indiana named Casey Spray um, he's extremely athletic he played for a team that was bad I mean they, they can Indiana cannot play defense um, they have a very potent spread offense um, he blocked for Kevin Coleman two years ago yep. uh, he blocked for Jordan Howard this year um, he's also a pretty intriguing uh, pass blocker. Indiana does throw a lot of short passes. They run a they run a version of the spread. But I think Jason Spriggs, um, because he plays for a bad program, um, I think a lot of folks really didn't look at him very very hard. He goes to the combine, has a great combine. Again, he's extremely athletic. Um, you know, he, he needs some technique work. He needs to add some strength and bulk. Uh, but if you're looking for a, a left tackle. Um, who could be a really high-level left tackle in the NFL for a while, but maybe not right away, uh, Jason Spriggs is that guy. I think Jason Spriggs is really going to be a really, really good NFL player. Yeah, so definitely want to keep an eye on that. That is one of the questions I had for later in the show, who was the surprise targets, but uh, we'll see later on. We might revisit that. The draft obviously taking place on the 20th of April all the way through to the 30th of April in Chicago, Illinois, and um, it's going to be interesting to see where teams go. Everyone always was interested in the first round, but we've seen in the last uh, five or six years again that the, just the value that can be found in later rounds can be absolutely amazing. Um, so it's always, you know, you can't just only focus on the first round, but today, for those purposes, there'll be a lot of focus quite on the first round. I just want to start off with, uh, in the last few weeks, obviously there's been qu- reports of different questions coming out that have been asked at the Scouting Combine. One of the more uh, intriguing ones that I've heard, and it's with LSU safety Jalen Mills, and he said that in one of the interviews that he uh, was asked if he wanted to kill a guy, would he kill him with a knife or with a gun? Um, which of those is the correct answer? And uh, do you be, are you, have you stopped being surprised at what was asked at the Combine? <laughs> Yeah, some of these, you're right, it's it's a little bit ridiculous. I think Eli Apple, the Ohio State cornerback, was yeah. asked about, you know, do you like men? Yeah, you know, that kind of them, stuff, yeah. it's beyond the pale. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what kind of information you can glean from a player <laughs> if you ask him, if you killed a man, would you do it with a gun or a knife? Unless the player says, well, actually, I have killed somebody. And I used a gun. So, and obviously in that instance, you're like, oh, our interview's over. We're not drafting you. But, um, yes, I guess a lot of this stuff, you do wonder about players' psychological makeup. Uh, At the same time, I got to think there are psychologists a team could go to and say, you know, we want to find out about players' psychological makeups. What are some of the questions we can ask them? And I doubt any professional psychologist is going to say, "Well, ask him if he'd kill a guy with a knife or a gun." That's, yeah, that's just that's just that's stupid. It's frankly just stupid. You're right. Yeah, it just it seems to get crazier and crazier, and that's just I, I, the one with the Falcons you mentioned earlier about men, and then this one here. Just I don't know where they're going with this. So in three or four years, who knows what they'll be asking these questions. But um, next up, we're going into like possible candidates for the first overall pick obviously the titans at the moment holding that pick whether it's traded away or kept is a, a different story but at the moment uh, looks kind of 
almost consensus that Laramie Tunsil uh, should be that first overall pick if they stick there. A lot of people call him probably the best offensive prospect in the draft, and that's a lot saying with you know some of the quarterback talent and running back talent that is in this group. So uh, with him, do you think with his athleticism, size, strength, you know everything that he has, do you think he's a, a kind of plug and play and could be in the NFL for a long time? Do you think uh, would you agree with him being the first overall pick this season? Yeah, I, I focus a lot on my college coverage on the SEC, and I think he was the most talented player in the entire conference. Uh, and that's a conference, obviously, that's going to have the most players drafted yeah. for the ninth year in a row. Um, he is a prototypical left hand. Um, he was a huge national high school recruit. Um, the minute he stepped on campus, basically, he was a starting left tackle. Um, he missed seven games this past season for NCAA violations. I don't think NFL teams care one whit about that, though. Here's, here's a guy who has extremely nimble feet, uh, good strength, uh, a, a really good pass blocker, knows how to mirror, knows how to use his hands, understands leverage, slides back and forth extremely well, uh, and is also a good run blocker. Now, Ole Miss did not run the ball all that effectively. Don't put that on the Ole Miss offensive line. Put that on the Ole Miss running backs. They, they weren't very good. But Tons, if, if you're the Titans... You have Marcus Mariota, who you want to keep upright. You have Taylor Lewan. You have Chance Warmack. If you can add Laramie Tunsil as your left tackle, move Lewan to the right. To me, that's a tackle duo you're going to have in place for four or five years that will play at an extremely high level. Taylor Lewan plays with a mean streak, perhaps, that Tunsil does not have. Um, Tunsil is, is by no means meek. He's just not as nasty as, as Lewan, but if I'm Mariota, uh, I'm praying every single night, please draft Tunsil, give me two stud tackles on the outside, uh, and I think that's the way Tennessee's going. I think the only other guys that could be looking at are Joey Bosa, yeah. the Ohio State defensive end, and Jalen Ramsey, the Florida State defensive back, who is a Nashville native. Um, thing is, I'm not sure you draft a defensive back number one overall. Yeah, I understand yeah. Bosa, because yep. I think Bosa is going to be hell on weeks. Um that's a guy that plays with an edge, um, sort of J.J. Watt light, I think. But uh, if I'm the Titans, I'm taking Tunsil number one. Yeah, you mentioned Taylor Luan. Maybe if you get somebody, like if Tunsil gets in there with somebody like Luan that he can, you know, gain that main streak going forward. A lot of times you see it just yeah, depends exactly. on the, the, the fit that you go into. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey as well. Um, obviously, you mentioned taking a defensive back. Still up in the air whether, uh, do you would you put him in as a cornerback or a safety going forward? You know, that's another reason I'd be, it's going to sound weird. He's got, obviously, phenomenal versatility. He started at Florida State as a corner and as a safety on a high-level defense. He's played at a high level. I'm not sure what his best pro position is. Yeah. Um, if, and I'm certainly not taking a safety number one. Now, if the Titans are convinced he can be a shutdown corner, uh, he'd be hard to bypass. I'm not sure he can be, uh, I think maybe his best position in the NFL is safety. So I'm, I ain't taking him number one. He's a safety. But he is intriguing because he can play both spots. But I, again, I think the, the weirdness about him is what's his best spot? I think yeah. there's some teams out there who say, this guy's a safety all the way. Other teams saying, this, nope, this guy's a corner. And I'm, I'm sure there's probably a handle going on. We're not sure what he is, but he can <laughs> play football, so we're going to draft him. But I, I, because of that, uh, I'm a little bit uh, unsure of what position is best for him. And again, I, you cannot take a safety number one overall. Yeah, that's true as well. But it's funny when you look at it, you know, a lot of the time versatility is seen as a huge plus point once you're in the league. But when you're coming right. in, sometimes it can go against you in the, in the early part of that first round or the second round. And a lot of the time, too, it's just, uh, 
you know, people want to go with the uh, offensive line, usually offensive tackle, and as somebody you think can be a future left tackle or else one of the skill or elite positions in the NFL. You mentioned Tunsil as well for uh, heading to Tennessee. I think if you're looking at what they did last year, uh, taking in Mariota in the draft, I think you have to think about your future, the future of the franchise, and if they can set him up with those two offensive tackles, as you mentioned, you know, they're set for the next five or six years anyway with uh, him uh, at the quarterback position as well. So it's um, it's going to be interesting to see what way it goes. With the Titans, with the way it's set up at the top, and I think the quarterbacks are obviously going to fall down a little bit in the draft unless they go maybe to the Browns uh, at number two, but we're going to talk about that in a moment. But before that, do you think there's any real there's I don't have the feeling this year that there's you know a real want for that number one overall pick last year obviously the two quarterbacks at the top Mario and Winston and uh, this year I just don't see anyone really trading up to try and get that number one so I do think we'll see the Titans remain there yeah I think the Titans are going to stay there and you're right I mean I think there's some teams intrigued by Carson Wentz some teams intrigued by Jared Goff some teams intrigued by Bosa and Ramsey but yeah I'm not sure Carson Wentz he is not worth the number one overall pick. Um, now, is Bosa? Yeah, but you might also be able to get Bosa at three or four. Yeah. So, no, I think the Titans. You know, I think you know there was talk last year early on the Bucks. Oh, maybe the Bucks. The Bucks never were going to trade it. Um, I think the Titans wouldn't mind trading it. Maybe down four or five. But again, I don't think teams picking four or five want to move up to number one. No. And I think the Titans are going to end up staying there in drafting punts. Yeah, I don't think there's a, you know, with the talent of the two quarterbacks that are in the group, I don't think there's enough to give up, you know, the farm to get one off right. the two. I think you'll get, if you're in that top five, you'll get one off the two at a, at a minimum. Maybe you'll have the option of the two there. So the next question is uh, the best QB out of those two that you mentioned. Do you think it's California's uh, Jared Goff or Dakota State's Carson Wentz? Out of those two, if you had the pick, say, at number four or number five, and you had to get a quarterback, who are you going with? Man, I, man, I, would, I, I think both have intriguing upside. Um, Goff played in a very uh, pass-happy attack at Cal, um, not exactly the most sophisticated passing attack at Cal. They, they, you know, he got the ball out of his hand quickly, um, relied on through a lot of wide receiver screens, relied on his uh, receivers to gain yards after the catch. Now, he does have a nice arm. He's a big guy. He was a big recruit. Um, you know, was expected to come in and perform. He was a three-year starter at a Pac-12 school. That said, I'm not sold on him being a star at the next level. And the same with same with Wentz. I mean, the interesting thing is that you look at two of the top three quarterbacks in this draft. Paxton Lynch from Memphis is probably the number the number three quarterback. Yeah. Paxton Lynch had one major college offer. Yeah. Carson Wentz had zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, both those guys, Paxton Lynch is a big dude with a cannon. Yeah. He went to high school about an hour from where I live in Orlando. No one recruited him because he played at a really, really, really small school. Um, Carson Wentz is from North Dakota. No one saw him play. Now, Wentz played in an offense. He was asked to do more things than golf, um, and he looked good at the Senior Bowl. He looked good at the Combine. I just wonder, and I know North Dakota State, is a, it's a tremendous FCS program. They've won five national titles in a row. Um, I just wonder um, about the speed of the game on a daily basis for him. I think there's going to be a learning curve. Um, now, there's a learning curve for every quarterback that comes into the league, frankly, every player that comes into the league. I just think, though, that, that golf has seen and played against much better talent than Carson Wentz. So um, I'm a little bit leery of both those guys. Um, I think if you told me you have to pick one quarterback um, who would you pick? I'd actually take Paxton Lynch. Okay. I think I can get Lynch late. I think I can get Lynch late in the first round. Um, I'd be scared to take Goff or Lynch in the top ten. 
Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat. Uh, you know, you have that little bit more value later on in the draft, uh, even at the end of that first round. And when you're looking around what's happened the last few years, there's been a lot of those, you know, people have splashed in, in the first round, haven't really worked out so well at quarterback. I think both of them are probably guys that you want to have somebody sit behind and, uh, you know, see how they develop. You know, there's a lot of pressure on all these quarterbacks coming into the league to start instantly. And I think sometimes that is the downfall of the, the early first round quarterbacks. Up next, a little bit of running back talk. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously the big talking point at the running back position. Um, I don't think he's going to be a Todd Gurley, but I think he can be effective NFL running back. But with Ezekiel Elliott, is he your top uh, RB in this class, or is there anyone else that yeah, you want to spring in there? No, he'd be the only one. He'd be the only one I'd take in the first round. Yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that uh, he played in a spread offense. I know that's going to sound weird, but I think he was asked to do a little bit different kind of things than Derrick Henry did. Derrick Henry, to me, fits far fewer teams than Ezekiel Elliott. Derrick Henry is a straight downhill runner. Yeah. Um, I think he maybe fits less than half the teams in the NFL. I think Elliott maybe fits two-thirds to three-quarters of them. Um, I, you know, Elliott, Elliott is a lot faster than people think. All you got to do is put on the tape. Uh, from the 2014 playoffs, he runs away from guys on Alabama. He runs away from guys for Oregon. He ran away from guys at Wisconsin. I mean, this dude is a 225-pounder who was a state sprint champ in Missouri. Um, he, he can run, he's, he, and he's also physical. But I think if you draft him, you're getting a guy who can you know, run outside and get around the edge. I'm not convinced Derrick Henry can do that in terms of running around the end and getting around the edge. So I think Elliott's a definite first-round pick. I don't, I don't think I'd take him in the first half of the first round, though. Um, you're right, I'm, I, I'm not convinced he's going to be as good as Todd Gurley, but I think he can be a pretty good NFL running back for a handful of years and be a thousand-yard kind of guy. I, I would not take him in the first half, first round, though. Yeah, well, obviously we're comparing him to Gurley. It's a bit like starting to compare people to Adrian Peterson. They're special running backs, and it looks like it's going to be that yeah. way. And he has the potential to go into that group, but you know he hasn't uh, even been drafted yet. So we'll see where he lands. Landing spot can be a huge part. Um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about the possibility of Dallas early in the first round of that pick four. I think it's far too early to be going running back. Yeah, we, I wouldn't. Yeah. yeah, we've barely seen any running backs go in the first round over the last few years outside of Gurley last year. So we'll see what happens on the running back front. You mentioned as well Derek Henry. I think. Although, when you watch the tape, it, um, you know there is those concerns there. I think, as well, with Alabama running backs in the NFL over the last six or seven years, from Trent Richardson and even Eddie Lacy last year putting on the weight, there is that concern as well. Uh, sometimes uh, the system in Alabama helps out those guys quite a bit. On to wide receivers now, and we have, uh, have a couple of names here that are you know first-round uh, thought of talents, and I want to see where you're ranking them. I'll give you four names, and then I'll let you give your thoughts on them and uh, tell me which one's the best of the group. Uh, I have Josh Dodd and TCU, Laquan Treadwell of Mississippi, Corey Coleman of Baylor and uh, Will Fuller of Notre Dame. Out of those four, it uh, seems to be in the last two or three months that Doxon has ramped his way up draft boards and just watching the tape, he just looks uh, to be in a very impressive specimen. I'm very impressed with his catch uh, radius and you know at the point of uh, attacking under pressure as well, very, very strong hands. But out of them, who would be your top uh, WR and then outside of that, which uh, what's your thoughts on a couple of those guys? I can see three of those guys going in the first round. I would not take Wolf Fall in the first round. I think he drops two in the past. Um, okay. Yeah, he's a big-time deep threat. He can get deep. But it seemed like every time I watched a Notre Dame game, and I watched, I think, every single one, he dropped one pass. Oh. So, like, what the heck? How did he drop that? <laughs> but Treadwell, Treadwell, if Treadwell ran a 4-4, mm. he would be a top-10 pick lock. Um, he's got exceptionally strong hands. Um, he runs good routes. 
relatively well, actually, he runs relatively good routes given what he was asked to do at Ole Miss. He needs to become more refined, but so do the two guys uh, from the Big 12. And I think that he saw vastly better cornerbacks in the SEC and played well against those corners than Coleman and Doxon saw. The Big 12 is garbage defensively, total garbage. So uh, if you're going to look at tape of Coleman and Doxon and be impressed, you should, yeah, that's good because they look really good. They're faster than Treadwell. They're playing offenses that really rely on getting those guys in space. But if you compare the defensive backs they torched against the defensive backs that Treadwell torched, there's no comparison. Treadwell went against NFL-level corners. Um, Doxing and Coleman went against free agent-level corners. So um, I think I would have them Treadwell first, Coleman second, Josh Doxon third. Um, I, I'm not sure I think any of them in the top ten. Uh, I think maybe one, if not two, are going in the top ten because of the need for receivers. Yeah. Um, but this, this receiver class, uh, you compare them to you know, Kevin. I know Kevin White didn't do anything as a rookie because of the injury, but none of these guys is close to being as good as Amari Cooper. Um, I don't think. But I, I, of those three, of those three receivers, I would take uh, Laquan Treadwell first. Yeah, that was my next point, was obviously the, the wide receiver classes over the last three or four years have been absolutely incredible. So much talent coming out, uh, you know, just from Odell Beckham, uh, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins. You can keep on naming through them all the way up uh, to last year, as you mentioned there, Amari Cooper. And you mentioned Kevin White as well. He's a player that hasn't played, basically, in the NFL, got injured last season, lost for the whole season with that injury. And uh, a lot of people said that if he was in this year's draft class, that he would be the first receiver off the board without a doubt. Would you agree with that, that... This here yeah, class isn't up to the, the quality yeah. of the last few years. Unquestionably, Kevin White's a better pro prospect. I think that you, you look at these those those four guys you mentioned. I think all four of them are number two kind of receivers in the NFL. Uh, I think Treadwell could become a number one. I don't think Dotson or Coleman or Fuller is a number one guy. Uh, obviously, Amari Cooper is a legitimate go-to receiver. Now, obviously, the, the right team. Coleman, Doxon, Treadwell are going to get 50, 60, maybe even 70 catches. But I don't think either any of those guys is going to be a guy who's going to be a tiny catch guy that, oh, my God, he deserves, he has to get double coverage when you play him. No, I think they all can be good in the NFL. I don't think any of them are going to be superstars in the NFL. Defensive side of the ball, we've already mentioned Jalen Ramsey. There's also Miles Jack. You mentioned Joey Boza. Out of all the defensive players, is there any that uh, you're particularly high on or excited about seeing uh, where they land and how they go in the NFL? Yeah, I'm a huge Joey Boza fan. Um, I think this guy is going to be, again, I think he's sort of like an energizer kind of bunny, uh, always active. I know his dad was an NFL bus. His uncle was an NFL bus at Sumero. But I think Joey Boza is going to be a guy who comes in makes a pretty good impact as a rookie, and then as a second-year guy, really takes off and becomes a star. Um, he's not that big. He's pretty solid against the run. Uh, I think he can be a double-digit sack guy right out of the gate. Again, I think he brings an energy, brings a swagger, plays with an edge, uh, and you put all that in an edge rusher, uh, and I think he can be quite good. Um, and I think unquestionably my second defender would be Jalen Ramsey. Again, the versatility thing is a plus, but also a minus. But I think if you decide he's going to be a safety, he can be a all-pro kind of safety. Um, I think he's actually better as a safety than as a corner. But I think he'll be an NFL, a really solid NFL player for a decade. The third, if Miles Jack were healthy, uh, he would be my third defender. I'm not a huge DeForest Buckner fan. Um, I know he's, he's got all the measurables. I, I just tend to think guys who play defense in Oregon don't do anything. I'm, I'm not huge fans of theirs yeah. when they get to the NFL. 
Um, a guy I like who I'm not sure is going in the first round is Chris Jones of Mississippi State. Um, you know, all the Alabama defensive linemen get all the get all the notice. Ashawn Robinson, uh, Jaron Reed. I think Chris Jones can be a better pro than those two guys. Uh, Jaron Reed can't rush the passer. Ashawn Robinson can't rush the passer. Chris Jones can rush the passer. And I think as he sort of grows into his body a little bit more, Chris Jones is going to be a guy. Um, Mississippi State's put some really good defensive linemen in the league. I think this guy could could be a all pro kind of talent in three or four years. I think Chris Jones is going to be an NFL star. Yeah, mentioned as well at the start uh, that we were going to re- revisit this at some point. But uh, prospects that you're higher on maybe than some of your peers. There's obviously in the first round you want to hit on those picks. You know, get the your stud players. But when you're looking then down through you know round two down to four and then all the way into the third day of the draft, that's when you build a real foundation for your team. You can really turn around a franchise with those picks if you build a solid foundation and that kind of maybe even day three range anyone that you think that uh, could be a real steal for some of these teams obviously there's a, a couple of teams at the top of the, the rounds that are looking that uh, really need to, to get some depth I, I like Jeremy Cash of Duke he's a safety he started his career at Ohio State transferred to Duke incredibly productive 100 tackles three years in a row he's a soft forward kid he can run he can play um, maybe not as fast as you want but he can play in the box, and he'll just knock your head off. He's extremely, extremely physical. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway, he was a defensive tackle at Texas, um, I think is going to be a pretty good NFL player. The pass rush might not be there. But I think he's going to be a pretty good run stuffer. Um, I'm intrigued to see who gets Pharaoh Cooper of South Carolina. Now, Pharaoh Cooper is not a speed burner, but he can play in the slot. He's exceedingly quick, and the cool thing about him, while he's not a 4-4 guy, he's a 4-6 guy. But like three or four steps, man, that dude is at full speed. He is he is extremely quick yeah. off the ball and he's fast. Um, I like Tyler Boyd of Pittsburgh, another guy who's not going to be a star, but I think he can be a really effective number two or three receiver for you. Great routes, great yeah. hands, really physical. Um, and a tight end who I think is going to probably go third day, who I think is exceedingly good, is a guy named Tyler Higby from Western Kentucky. He played with um, the the pass-happy attack of Western Kentucky. Got hurt uh, in the senior year. He only played eight games. He was a high school wide receiver in uh, the Tampa Bay area. He's, he was a six foot six, 200-pounder as a high school senior. Now he's about 6'6", 250. He runs well. Um, does a great job against zone defenses because he knows how to sit down and catch the ball. He can get down the seam. Um, I think he's, a again, a, a third-day guy who can end up providing – second-round production. In other words, two or three years from now, Tyler Higby's a 45-catch tight end. He's getting you six or seven team catches a year. Yeah, and sometimes people think that when you mention you know, a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three that those players aren't going to be any good. Every team needs a lot of... If you have four wide receiver twos in your team or you know you can get those wide receiver threes, you really need those to establish because there's no point in just having one wide receiver one and nothing else around them. So uh, those players are definitely players that you need to have on that roster to uh, keep keep a nice foundation around them. Um, then on to the next one. Um, obviously, looking a little bit more at teams. Cleveland have the second overall pick in this draft and you know they've signed Robert Griffin the third but it looks like there's a possibility they may go QB I don't think those two QBs that we mentioned earlier are going to fall to that uh, you know early second round but you mentioned Paxton Lynch. Lynch there is a possibility he may go there do you think that the Cleveland Browns will go QB at number two like a lot of analysts are saying I think they might uh, try and wait a little bit later but how do you think that's going to go at number two I think that's what real really will shake up this draft 
Yeah, I think the, the one thing I'm pretty confident of, whoever they pick is going to the guy's going to bust. I mean, that, that, <laughs> I'm not sure they, they could they could they could pick Jim Brown in his prime. Yeah, and Jim Brown Rogers. would not. That that that, that is a star cross franchise. Um, I, I'm not sure they have any good decision makers there. Um, they, they evidently made some really bad decisions in free agency in yeah, terms of yeah. their whole plan for free agency. They, they were being mocked on social media, for God's sake. So uh, I could see them draft, drafting Carson Wentz. I could see them drafting Joey Bosa. I could see them drafting Jalen Ramsey. And I'm sure every one of those players I just mentioned is on his knees every night, and whoever they pray for, whoever they pray to, don't let me go to Cleveland. So, because um, again, I mean, you feel bad for guys who get drafted there. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're Cleveland um, and Jalen Ramsey's there, um, putting Jalen Ramsey in the same secondary with Joe Hayden would have that would have that. There's an upside to putting those two guys in the field at the same time. So uh, I think Cleveland's going to go Jalen Ramsey. You're right. I don't think they they will draft a quarterback in number two. Um, they might be able to get Paxton Lynch in the second round. Uh, and again, I think Paxton Lynch is going to have the best career of these three guys anyway. So, um, but yeah, Cleveland, assuming that the Titans take Tunsil. And the Browns take Ramsey. Then things get interesting with San Diego. Does San Diego take Carson Wentz? It's Philip Rivers' eventual successor. If Carson Wentz is there at Ford, is Dallas taking this Romo's eventual successor? So there's some intrigue, and I think it really starts with what the Browns do at number eight. Yeah, it would be ideal for both the quarterbacks in the early first round if they went to somewhere like Dallas, went to somewhere like San Diego, because they can sit behind an established starter and uh, you know get uh, you know just used to the NFL and uh, progress at a, a slower rate than they would have to if they go to somewhere like the Browns where they might be fired in instantly. And uh, the interesting thing will be if the Cleveland Browns don't go number two with a quarterback and then it goes past the Cowboys and past uh, San Diego, I suppose you're looking then maybe at the 49 but after that there could be a long wait for some of these guys to see uh, yeah. where they eventually land and I think if any of them are there at the start of the second round I think the Browns will definitely take one of them at that point the other yeah, question the other question that I'm interested in I think the Rams have an interesting situation you know they're in round one but they don't have a very very high pick they have uh, the 15th overall pick but they have two second round picks number 43 overall and number 45 and I think um, you know with the, the quarterback situation they have and if the quarterbacks start to slide down that board I think there's a, a strong possibility that they may try and use those second round picks to push themselves up because I still don't believe that Nick Foles is going to be their uh, day one starter do you think that the Rams might get a little bit aggressive in this and uh, move their way up I think they'll wait till the drafts and process to see what happens at you know those uh, picks that I mentioned with Cleveland with San Diego with Dallas and uh, maybe then make a move up the board to, to get a quarterback yeah that's an, you're, you're right and I think it would if, depending on who your trade partner is there would be teams that would, okay, we're going to pick twice and three picks relatively early in the second round. Yeah. And if you're picking, I don't know, 25th in the first round, just to throw something out there, you may think, you know something? If in this draft, three second round picks, that's, that's a great deal for, yeah. for us. So you're right. That, 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 and if you got Gurley, um, assuming he stays healthy, he's going to be your bell cow run back for a while. Um, you're right. Fold is nothing but a stopgap. Um, you, you talked earlier about you know drafting guys and let them sit at quarterback. You know the Aaron Rodgers model. If you're let's go back to Dallas. Yeah. Dallas would not be picking fourth if Tony Romo had been healthy last yeah, year. Yeah, they'll so never I guess, be there again. Yeah. I think Dallas could say legitimately, we'll take a quarterback, let him sit because if our quarterback's healthy, we're a playoff kind of team. Now yeah. L.A. obviously is not a playoff kind of team. I think they're obviously more than a quarterback away. But you're right. If if it gets to pick 21 or 22 in the first round, and there's and Lynch is there, and Goff is there. 
Um, you wonder if the Rams are going to be thinking, let's tr- let's use our two second round picks and maybe something else as bait and get into the late first round and take one of these quarterbacks. Now, I'm not sure golf's going to fall that far, um, but you know, I, I think that having those two picks that quickly, relatively in the second mm-hmm. round, so close together, is going to appeal to a couple of teams that pick late in the first round, unquestionably. Yeah, we'll see what happens. The possibility to give up all those three to move up in the first round as well, a couple of moves as well. So we'll see what happens, uh, see what the teams decide on draft day. But Mike, it's been uh, great having you on again. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit that I don't watch a huge amount of college football, and it's always around. Just pre, pre-combine, and up until this point, I really ramp up my uh, interest in it to find out as much as possible. But when you, you get knowledge like you have on the show, it's uh, great to share that with all the listeners. Great for myself as well to look up these prospects that you've uh, mentioned through some of the under-the-radar guys. And uh, as I mentioned, you're managing editor now at uh, gridironnow.com. You're on Twitter at Mike Huggenen. Anything else, Mike, uh, going on, obviously... You're going to be doing a lot of coverage for the draft, so uh, make sure you're following them on Twitter. But anything else uh, with the draft or ahead of the, the new season that you want to give you a plug to? Yeah, let me let me, let me draft uh, one, one more potential sort of sleeper guy who could go second or third round who I think is going to be a good player, Keanu Neal, a Florida safety. Um, the dude hits. He might be the best hitter in this draft. He just delivers a gigantic blow. He got markedly better last year in pass coverage. Florida has an extremely talented secondary, um, and the, the, he and Hargraves really, as good as those guys are, they're really not going to be missed. That's how deep Florida secondary is. But they were extremely well coached technique-wise. Uh, but And Keanu Neal, if your favorite NFL team gets him in the third round, be happy because he's going to be a starter, uh, I think, right away and be a, a guy who started safety in the NFL for six or seven years. Yeah, I was actually listening to a, a podcast this week and his name came up and I remembered it vividly because uh, he has an Irish sounding surname in O'Neill, but he, I don't know any I don't know any Irish men with that first Keanu. name. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and he, he, they call him Kiki, um, but believe me, generally you call people Kiki, they're, you know, they might be girls. They're yeah. certainly not. <laughs> to deliver. This dude brings the wood. So, um, and Keanu, so Keanu Neal, I think, is another guy to watch. Um, as a sort of a sleeper kind of guy in the third round who can be a really, really good NFL player. So uh, that there's the sort of knowledge you'll get if you're following Mike on Twitter. Once again, Mike Huggenin. And of course, Mike, uh, hopefully we'll do, we might even revisit this uh, after the draft to talk about where the sure. prospects have landed. But uh, it's always great to get on pre-draft to get all the, the information on these prospects. So thanks once again for jumping aboard the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So for any of the music buffs out there, you may have noticed that was Teenage Kicks by The Undertones. Mike uh, did say in a DM that he enjoys a bit of The Undertones and uh, he would like, uh, you know, if we did a, a little bit of those on the way out of the interview. So a nice little shake up in the show. I like to put in those little music snippets and you'll hear different past guests uh, welcoming you to the show or listening to the show, telling you you're listening in. And uh, so that was just a little bit of The Undertones. Uh, it's always nice to get music suggestions from the guys who we have on to, to talk about the uh, NFL, and particularly in this case, the NFL draft. So that was Mike, and uh, as I mentioned there, make sure you're following him on Twitter for all the information coming up to the draft, and then after the draft, uh, 24-7, 365 days a year, he talks uh, on his Twitter handle and on the website, of course, as well, with college prospects and so on, uh, all the different information that you want to get if you want to see who the future uh, stars of the NFL are potentially going to be. So it's a nice, short and sweet podcast, obviously the draft coming up uh, very, very shortly, and you'll be looking forward to seeing who your team picks, uh, obviously, 
with the Packers the last couple of years gone defensive early in the draft and maybe somebody at inside linebacker to help Clay Matthews bounce back to the outside position at the outside linebacker and give him a little bit more chance to rush the passer but we'll see what happens there in the coming week and uh, see who all lands in what spots it's gonna be an interesting one I mentioned there round one uh, the first and second pick uh, can shake the thing up a lot particularly that Cleveland Browns pick we'll see who they go with there at that spot and it's going to be uh, interesting to see that so i'm looking forward to tuning and seeing what's going to happen and uh, and as i mentioned this one was pre-recorded ahead of time so i'm still traveling around uh, on my holidays uh, stay tuned to the twitter feed for more information with uh, usually at the draft the week after i'll be back to recap it this time i won't be there'll be another podcast coming out next week one of the pre-recorded ones so stay tuned to the oti twitter feed to find out who that is that is at overtime ireland is the feed so i pre-recorded a lot of shows you've heard a number of them so far hopefully you've been enjoying them so uh, stay tuned for more to come and there'll be another show next week so until that show comes online and uh, you'll get it instantly if you are subscribing on itunes or stitcher whatever you're listening to it on player fm tune in radio we're all available in all those ways so until until that show comes out um, early next week, of course, enjoy the draft and have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.